You're about to listen to a message by Pastor Ikenna Okeke of the Father's Church. This message will challenge, encourage, and propel you to fulfill your purpose and live that life that God originally designed for you as revealed in His Word. Be blessed as you listen. want us to, you know, start from that First Corinthians 13. Now, how many of us before now had meditated on that First Corinthians 13? Did you understand what it was? You see, when you read the Bible, you and I are children of God. Okay, for some of us who grew up men in the house with parents, you find out that it's the child that spends time with the parents that explains to the other siblings why the father did this? What happened many years ago? Do you understand? When you read the Bible, there are some areas you read, you should go back to God and say to him, God, this does not, and we've said here that when the scriptures doesn't make sense, it's your sense that needs to come up. Do you understand? Now, reading this several times, you read it and you read it, how does it add up? Now, let's go through and read it again. Verse 1 says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass, or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all what? Faith, not unbelief. And though I have all faith, so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. So I can have faith and, have, and be nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be born, but have no love, it profits me nothing. This is something that should make everybody sit down because what they're talking about is what we're trying to come up to. I want to be able to give my goods. I want to be able to have faith. I want to be able to prophesy. Do you understand? And I'm saying that when I finally attain that, I can be nothing. It's something you should give attention to. Praise the Lord. So meditating on that and thinking of that started understanding why the bible said that if it is not motivated by love it's against the kingdom purpose you see in this kingdom there is one king the bible talking about the men of david said these men banded themselves together to what make david king in israel according to the word of the lord they didn't come to get commissioner or minister for petroleum they came to make David king. Every other thing was what? Secondary. Now, the same thing in this our kingdom, when we start, we start on the basis of here I am. I am a sinner saved by grace. Okay? As I continue in this kingdom, that is my foundation. That is where I'm standing. And all I want to do every day is to do what? To honor my king. To serve my king. So the Bible is saying here now, if I'm speaking with the tongues of men and I'm gifted with the tongues of angels, let it be motivated by what? Love and devotion to my king. Now, if you've been a Christian long enough, you would have noticed that people are impressive. Either impressive in the way they manifest their giftings or just they want to impress now, what understanding this love will do for you is that it will free you from the pressure and the necessity to impress anybody. We're going to see as we go on here. And what that does is that 
You know, like, like the passage we read in Matthew 11, 28, 30. You see, it's going to take away the unnecessary weight. I, I told you my experience. The church, you know, I gave my life to Christ and I grew. The way they teach is that every scripture they mention, they have scripture reference. So if I say faith walketh through love, I can't say it and be explaining it to you. I have to quote the scripture reference. Now, me, I realize that the scripture reference doesn't even help me. I want to understand what you're saying because I can always go and listen and check out everything. But the way it was taught then is that it's almost sacrilege to mention a scripture without mentioning the reference. In fact, we're taught that when you misquote it, that if you say faith walketh by love, if you say faith walks by love, you are not correct. So you have to maintain. Are you getting what I'm saying? So I started preaching doing that. So, and I will now make sure that if I want to say something, I have to capture the scripture. But after some time, I got free from it. Because I realized that all of that does not necessarily improve the comprehension of the message to the hearers. But it helped me to abide by the standard of the people who commissioned me. Are you with me now? And what helped me was that I realized that Jesus, when he was speaking, was not quoting scripture. That he was speaking the word, but he was not saying according to Jeremiah chapter 7 verse 15. You know, there's nothing wrong with that if you're gifted with that. But you see, the burden lifted out off of me. Why? Because Jesus didn't need me to say that, to please him and to obey him. But I know if I could do that, I will impress you better. I get what I'm saying. So, you see, you become less burdened when you know that whatever you're doing as a Christian is to serve the master first and to minister to the people second. It takes away the load. So, someone comes to preach. There are some people that they come to preach, you know, and they, you realize that they might just reference four scriptures. They tell you lots of stories, but they're communicating things to you. They're using the experiences and they're breaking down things that bring conviction. The Holy Spirit is riding upon the words and breathing upon those words and bringing transformation to your life. Another person might come also and bring the scriptures and the Holy Spirit will still use it. But in other words, he could walk either way. There is none you must be bound to. Is someone getting what I'm saying? So that's what understanding this does. It removes that whole pressure. Okay. It removes the need and the desire to meet a particular standard. The only standard you want to meet is that you're loving Jesus. So even in evangelism, we also taught this is the way you evangelize. These are the scriptures you quote, you know, Romans 10, this, Romans 10, these verses. And this is where you start. This is where you conclude. You realize that in some instances, it holds you to a cage. You find out that some people, you might just start by telling them, you know, how much of a sinner you were. And then they say, oh, what happened? You say, I met Jesus. And then, you know, it flows from there. What that happens is this. You now are free to serve one master. It doesn't render the things you learned useless, but it adds it to the resource you have. But it's no longer a binding chain on you. Praise the Lord, somebody. I, I, ho I hope somebody's getting it. So it says, though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains but have no love, he says, I'm nothing. Okay? 
I am a servant of God. I am a servant of Christ. I am the redeemed of the Lord. The life I live, I live by the faith of what? Faith in or by the faith of the Son of God who died, who loved me and gave himself. So everything I'm doing, I'm doing for him. So it means then also, you know, it's just taking the freedom aspect of what I'm sharing with you. It means then also that if I lay hands on you and God forbid, but I mean, God answers all prayers. If I lay hands on you and what I want doesn't happen, I don't feel too bad. I don't feel, you know, deflated because I did not lay hands on you in my name. I did not lay hands on you to validate me. I laid hands on you in obedience to my master who sent me, who I'm also trusting to touch you. Is someone getting in there? With that understanding, you're not afraid of praying for people. Some people are afraid of praying for people because you're afraid that if you pray, nothing will happen. That means you're looking, the, the whole factors in your calculation is you and people. But when you factor in that, I'm going in the name of Jesus and Jesus is going to heal this person. Then when you go in the name of Jesus, what will happen? You step out of the way. Jesus heals him. You don't go around and announcing to everybody, you know, that was going, you know, and I did this. No. Jesus, for some reason, you know, the healing does not manifest. You, you also don't go around with your head bowed down. I, I pray for somebody. Jesus didn't raise him from the dead. Do you understand what I'm saying? Why? Because you never did it for yourself. So that way, who do you think benefits more? The kingdom. It becomes all about him. It becomes unto him. Okay? So that's what we find. Okay? Now, going further with what we began to learn, because what I'm trusting God to do for us is what I believe he's already doing. It's not just to give us intellectual things on the word love, because the word love has been spoken, taught about, and if I want us to just find ourselves, find it seeping into our bodies, a kind of osmosis, so that invariably you will walk in love. Somebody say amen. That's why we're learning this. And I think what the Holy Spirit is also doing for us is that he's trying to remove some areas that, be, that are burdens and then try to refocus us. Like what we started to look on, at on Sunday, I, I, I want to continue this evening from John 21 and give you the experience of Peter. John 21 verse 15 to 17. You know, where our Lord Jesus Christ was commissioning Peter. You see what happened there, and that will help us understand what I was trying to say. In John 21, verse 15, the Bible says, So when they had eaten breakfast, now in the background to this, we know Peter denied the Lord Jesus and all of that, and we never hear Jesus telling him, Why did you deny me? Why did you deny me? The encounter we see here is that he saw them toiling to catch fish, they hadn't caught fish. He said to them, okay, this is the direction you go. And they caught a lot of fish. They brought their fish down. By the time they got to Jesus, Jesus already had fish and bread. Breakfast was ready. So he didn't need their labor. He was communicating a message that with me, I am complete. I'm only bringing you in so that you just enter into my joy. Praise the Lord. They are, he didn't eat their fish. They even didn't eat their fish. They ate Jesus' fish. Praise the Lord. Okay, so when all that was done, verse 15, if you have a, bi- uh, a sub-reference in your Bible, say Jesus restores Peter. This is what he said. He said, so when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Judah, what? Do you love me more than this? Right? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I... What did he now say to him? He said to him, feed my lambs. 
Peter was going to be the leader of the church. And Jesus, if you read further than 15, 16, 17, Jesus did not call him and tell him how important those people were, how important he had to work hard. He just said, Peter, do you love me? Because that was going to be the numero uno of everything he was going to do. Peter, do you love me? Peter says yes. And he says, now feed my lambs. So what is central in all of that is me. And that means Jesus. So when Peter begins to lead the church, he's not leading Peter's church. He's leading whose church? Jesus' church. Are you with me? Do you love me, Peter? Peter says, I love you. He said, now do what? Feed my lamb. Simple. Now, let me give you the liberating factor in that as well. You see, if Peter were feeding his church, Peter's church, or taking care of them, and people annoy him, people don't respond to him, people don't appreciate him, Peter will feel rejected, isn't it? He'll feel, you know, just this frustration and all of that. But if it is Jesus' lamb, and Peter is doing it not because first that he loves them. He's doing it because he loves Jesus. So he can have a motivation that is beyond them. That's why the apostle Paul can say, I've become all things to all men. That I by all means what? Winsome. It's not because of them. It's because of the love that he has for Jesus. It's based on that relationship. So when he goes out, he's not going out expecting the people to love him. That's an added advantage or response. But most importantly, I'm doing, he's doing what he's doing because he loves Jesus. So that way they slap him. He doesn't hurt him. He doesn't go back and say, look look at this people I'm trying to help. Who do they think they are? And then no. He's seen constantly the face of Jesus. And brethren... When your Christianity gets to that point, you enter into a place where you cannot be stopped. Where you do things for love's sake. And not love for the people. Because part of the challenges of the time we're in, let me mention that and I hope the Holy Spirit will help me to communicate it. Part of the challenges of the time we're in is that, you know, the line between deception and truth is very light. If you're not careful, you cross it. A lot of people are being pushed by love for people. Humanity, humanism, humanitarianism. That is not the gospel. Are you with me? The gospel is you love him and then you love people because of him. Are you with me? They're not the same thing. Because when you want to love people for themselves, if you do not take care, you yourself will lose him. I should give you an example. King Saul of Israel was not a bad man. He just loved people. And the people pulled him away from God. He wasn't a bad man. He didn't commit adultery. He didn't steal. He didn't do any of that. He just wanted the people to be pleased. And the demand of the people pulled him from pleasing God. That's why God will say to him, when you go to Amalekai, kill everybody, kill all the animals. And he said to God, this is a man saying to God, who said, he said, the people saw, and the people suggested, and the people said, so I decided. He didn't forget what God said. That's the danger. So I love people, I love people. They are, they are ministry, I love people, I love people. 
Most times, those people are drawn away from obedience. What they are now doing is no longer in obedience because what you're going to find out as we study this love thing is that to be safe in this love, you know, uh, lesson we're learning now is that you have to separate result from motivation. That's part of what the first Corinthians 13 was telling us. Loving, I'm not looking at the result. I'm just looking at the motivation. I'm looking at my obedience. We have an experience also, you know, we haven't told anybody this. You know, but I shared because it will help us. The day Mom Chi came back from UK, we're in the house. And then we just had a big bang. You know, our house is close to the express. So I actually thought that, um, you know, that some accident had happened on the express. And she was going to check. I said, that thing can, could never have happened in the estate. Don't bother, it's the express. And she looked, lo and behold, there was somebody standing in front of her house with his two hands on his head. And she said, ah. This person must have hit her car. I said, it's not possible. Anyway, I went downstairs. And lo and behold, Tuski's car that was parked off the road. This man, I don't know what was wrong with him. The speed he used to hit the car. The car moved almost 10 inches. The car was out of the road. That's parked close to the house. (laughs) Okay. So, we saw it. I asked the man. I said, are you on drugs? What's wrong? The man was looking at me. So we said, okay, park the car. He had some children in the car. They were going somewhere. Park the car. Security, take off that, the keys and all of that. Let your ogre come. By evening, his ogre came and wanted to see us. We couldn't see him. And gave him the number of uh, Luca to call. This man called Luca and was talking. Say, why should they detain his car? What nonsense? How much is the car they hit? You know. That same day, the man called DSS for me. I'm telling you. He said he must take his car from here. What, 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 what? You know how he just... <laughs> anyway. <laughs> One thought was saying to me, okay, just arrange, let them tow these two cars. Two six cars, nobody's driving it. Let them tow these two cars to the police station. So that after two months, we'll know whether police would have concluded this case. You know? But... I was just saying, I'm a pastor. And we live in this estate. I'm a pastor. Okay? Finally, I said, okay, take the car. The man took the car. Long and short, we got the cost of fixing the car. And the Holy Spirit ministered to us that we shouldn't ask them to pay. Okay? So, (laughs) I sent a message to the vice chairman of estate to tell them that they shouldn't pay. That's up to how many days now? They have not come to say thank you. Do you understand? Now, I didn't do it or we didn't do it for them to say thank you. What we did was, Father, we honor you. Now, whether they say thank you or not, we have obeyed, Abby. That's it. You finish with motivation. If you look for result, you will enter into compromise also. Like we asked on Sunday, have you done things for people that treat you like you didn't do anything for them. Okay? Simple. So in this love thing, don't look for results. Just, why am I doing this? Because it's that looking for results that takes you to where you do something you never get benefit for. What you want is benefit. You know the mistake we make, you know, maybe preachers like me make, is that sometimes we bring this gospel in a way that you think there is nothing there. No. Jesus, even teaching concerning prayer, when he says don't pray, you know, in the street corner and don't pray with loud, you know, repetitive words and all of that. 
that you know when you do that you have your reward it says when you want to pray go into your closet close the door and pray and what will happen it says when you do that your father who sees in secret will do what will see and reward you openly there is always reward it's just that it's not the reward people are looking for do you understand there's always a reward there's a reward for purity there's a reward for consecration there's a reward for holiness there's a reward for patience there's a reward for contentment but the world will advertise immediate same day reward just like the money doublers and the mmm and the chigo and all of that i hope none of you did chigo you know there's always a reward but when it comes too quickly in this kingdom they said to us be followers of those who through faith and what patience anywhere they show you faith and they remove patience check again okay praise the lord so you find that this love is to be the motivation that's just what why i'm doing this our lord jesus gave us an illustration there or rather um demonstrated it for us or taught us that in the case of um in luke 7 you can give us 41 to 47 but when you go and read the entire part is where one of the pharisees had invited our lord jesus to dinner and in this dinner a woman came who the bible says was a sinner okay and began to you know broke her alabaster flask started worshiping jesus crying but just was worshiping with her tears worshiping and honoring jesus and the pharisees said amongst themselves if this man were a prophet he would have known that this woman who is touching him is a sinner that's the type of sinner she was and from verse 41 jesus asked simon a question verse 41 he said there was a certain creditor who had two debtors one owed 500 denarii and the other 50 and when they had nothing with which to repay he freely forgave them both tell me therefore which of them will love him more simon answered and said i suppose the one whom he forgave more and he said to him you have rightly judged then he turned to the woman and said to simon do you see this woman i entered your house you gave me no water for my feet but she has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head you gave me no kiss but this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time i came in for the six you did not anoint my head with oil but this man has anointed my feet with fragrant oil for the seven he said therefore i say to you her sins which are many are forgiven for she would love much but to whom little is forgiven the same loves little what am i trying to take from this my christianity i can almost measure how saved i am by how much i'm loving jesus you know why you can't disconnect my gratitude from my attitude if you know truly you know you see some people and because of the way we pray this are you born again like i was speaking to someone today i said have you given your life to christ said, ah yes now but from my previous conversations with this person but once he says yes what are you going to say again do you understand are you going to say your yes i'm doubting it you won't now so the way you can measure yourself, not another person is, how is my, what is my attitude towards him? And that's where this whole love foundation is. Am I doing what I'm doing towards God based on a love, based on a gratitude, based on an appreciation like I've been forgiven much. Listen, for me to be a Christian, the very day I get born again, God doesn't owe me anything again. 
Because you know what? He didn't owe me anything to start with. While I was yet a sinner, what happened? Christ died for me. I didn't pray for him to die for me. I didn't even know I needed to be saved. I was that lost. Do you understand? So when he saves me that very day, he has done so much. That's what the apostle Paul was trying to communicate. He says, all things that were gained to me. He says, I've counted them what? As dung. They mean nothing to me. Because of the surpassing, you know, desire to come to know this Christ who has done so much for me. Any genuine believer you see, his life is always referring, standing upon where Christ or what God had done for him. It's never based on what God will do because he has finished his good work for you. On the cross, he did it for you and I. Are you with me? Now, as we journey, because he's God... Good things will be falling in our place. But that's no longer why we go. We are going because of where we are coming from. Do you understand? It says, this woman, because she has been forgiven. That must be my story. That must be your story. Because she has been forgiven. When I remember the hell behind me. When I remember the cost of the blood that saved me. When I remember the love that made him think about me. When I remember my friends that died without being saved. When I remember people who I know that are more intelligent than me. That up to today are not born again. That I know that it's not my intellectual calculation that brought salvation to me. It means the Holy Spirit singled me out and saved me. Are you telling me now that if I come to church, you must tell me that there are seven breakthroughs I will receive before I worship him. So you can worship God or you can practice your Christianity. By love or by bait. If you're taking notes, take it. Bait. Bait is there. There's always something in front. And unfortunately, that's where the majority are. That's what is preached as gospel now. By bait. So every time from the door, they tell you today is your day. I should take another step. Say only you. You are the one that will take this miracle. That means nothing has been done for you before. They just want to start. But the psalmist said I was glad. When they said to me what? Let us go into the house of the Lord. He said, blessed is the man whose sins are forgiven, whose iniquities are covered. When we come from that background, the God who does exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we could ask or imagine, will continue to do it. Like the song that says, I go to worship my God. And then, that's the point. That's not why I worship. Because that bait Christianity is the one that cannot be sustained. Jesus said to the people, you seek me. John 6, 26. He said, you seek me. Not because you saw the signs. It's because you ate the loaf. So you're coming to eat another loaf. And he told them, okay, now what is going to happen? Today is not loaf I'll give you. I will give you my flesh and blood. Church end. But when a person is propelled by love, you can't drive him away. You know, there are things that are recorded. You see, somebody say, thank you, Jesus. There are things that are recorded in the scriptures that are mysteries. Do you know why they put the story of Ruth for you and I? What was Ruth following um, Naomi for? Is there a son there? Is there a grandson there? Is there anything? She was following him based on the love that existed. Little did she know that ahead of her was Boaz. But she wasn't following him for Boaz. Following her for Boaz. That account is recorded for you and I. So that when we make a commitment, we keep going. So when Jesus in that John 6 said to Peter, are you not going? He said, where are we going? We are committed. Because his Christianity was not being practiced based on baits. 
Bait is that you must see something. Those are the people that if it doesn't work here today, they go to one prayer house. If they go to the prayer house, it doesn't work. They are nearing Babalawo. If it doesn't work in Babalawo, they are just moving. They are shifting Christians, shifting cultivation. Shifting from one place to the other. Because their God is not the God of salvation. Their God is the God of answer. Whatever answers is God. And you know, let, let, let me tell you something. When you read the scriptures, and you read the temptations of our Lord Jesus Christ, I think Matthew 4. What, what was happening there? Satan said to Jesus, he said, all this kingdom, he showed him the kingdoms of the world. He says, all this and their glory, what will happen? I will give you, child of God, every giving is not from God. Jesus didn't tell, tell him, you're lying. It means the devil can give, and he can give for a long time, provided that he has sealed it, that your soul will come to him. The devil can give. All these kingdoms and their glory, I will give you. If you do what? Fall down and worship. Jesus didn't say you have no power to give anything. He said thou shalt worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. We are in a generation where many are being given from the devil. Because they are being driven by bait. B-A-I-T. Bait Christianity. Is ahead of me. I'm pursuing it. My miracle. My breakthrough. My want. What I want. What I want. What I want. Our Lord Jesus teaching us the Lord's Prayer. Our Father which art in heaven, what? Hallowed be thy kingdom, thy will. Some time ago, the Lord just blessed me with the Igbo version of that prayer. That second part. He says, That is, let's just do what you're looking for. I just want to do what you're looking for. You know? That's what I want to do. That's Christianity. I want to do what you're looking for. And then further than he now says what? Give us this day our what? Daily bread. But my concern is to do what you're looking for. Because you're a good, good father. Somebody say you're a good father. Tell him you're a good father. You came in here concerned, burdened. Tell him you're a good father. Yes, Lord. Okay, let me move on and just share something that I, I don't want us to miss because we may move out of this soon. When you think and really meditate on this love thing, it's not easy. I don't know if you've really thought about it. It's not easy. It's difficult to walk in this love. But we will walk in love in Jesus' name. And Matthew 11, Matthew 11, 28 to 30, we'll refer to it. Let's look at it now. If you can please give us the easy to read version. Yes, you can actually just leave the 28. It says, come to me, all you who are tired from the heavy burden you have been what? forced to carry can you see and i will give you rest so we want to transit from being forced do you understand we want to transit and that's why we're studying to understand this love because when i really get this love thing it won't be by force again praise the lord it won't be by force when i get it it won't be by force but if i don't get it it'll be by force because I don't understand. I think that's why the Lord started speaking to us even before now. About Christian activity and Christ-likeness. If you're doing the activity without knowing the goal, you'll just be feeling, why are they even making me do this? But when you understand that this is where this is taking you to, all of a sudden, it, it removes the weight from it. So what our Lord Jesus Christ from this easy-to-read version was saying is this. He said, come to me, all you who are tired from the heavy burden you've been forced to carry. I'll give you rest. 29 now. Accept my teaching. Learn from me. 
I am gentle and humble in spirit, and you'll be able to get some rest. 30. He says, yes, the teaching that I ask you to accept is easy. The load I give you to carry is light. Let's see how this is. The Bible tells us that faith walks through love. That's Galatians 5, 6. Faith walketh through love. So this love and faith, they work together. Now, what is this love? Is concern, you know, is, is, not, uh, is not being uh, apathetical to people's challenges. Concern, genuine interest, you know, and all of that. Representing what I wrote here. I say love is seeking and representing God's interest or desire in a situation. Nothing actually, you know, just meditating on this, so makes you and I more like our Lord Jesus, like love. Do you know that? Nothing. Nothing makes us look more like him. Remind people of Jesus, like love. And this love is representing God's interest or design a situation. So a call to love is a call to the divine nature. That's what it is. God is inviting us as a church. Inviting us as Christians to partake of the divine nature. To come to his league. Okay? We learn that God is on a class of his own. He said he wants us to come. Yes. And he gave me scripture. He said Psalm 82 verse 6, please. He says, I said you are gods. You are gods. And all of you are children of the most high. You are gods. Okay? So the reason you will walk in love is because you have the divine nature. You are born again. John 3 verse 3. Unless a man be born again. It's your, it's th- this love demand is not being placed on your you know, Igbo self, on your Yoruba self, on your Niger self. It's being placed on your divine self. Are you with me? That, that's why someone can you know, not be deserving, but yet you are devoted to love him. Because it's not you now. Is the divine nature. And we're going to see how it works. Praise the Lord. So, Jesus, what's Jesus doing for us now in heaven? Seated at the right hand of the throne. What's he doing? He's making intercessions for us. What do we learn that love will do? Love will make intercessions. So, when you begin to pray for people out of love, you're doing what Jesus is doing. Do you understand? So, what the, the Spirit of God wants us to, you know, get into as a church today is that this love thing that we're learning, is that God wants us to come into Godship. He wants us to enter into the divine nature. So you don't see yourself, because if you see yourself as you, you will faint already. Are you with me? Now, when we sin against God, what does he do? When we confess, what does he do? Is there anybody that will ask God for forgiveness that God won't forgive? Now, he says to you, do what? Come to that level. Eh? So love does what? Forgives. So he's lifting you up. He's inviting you. God is love. You're a child of God. So whatever anybody does. In fact, not just they ask for forgiveness. Some people are poking their you know, fingers in, you know, in the direction of God. And God is still healing their injuries. Their wives are still conceiving. Their food is still digested. If I were God, you know that letter they wrote? I'm still asking God, before that letter expires, something should happen. You know, they wrote a letter that the church should stop it. So I say, Lord, please read that letter and respond. But if I were God, the the hand they used to write it. (laughs) This is where the hand will stop. But you see, he's God. He's patient. He's long-suffering. 
Not willing that any should what? Perish, but that all should come to repentance. So that's what he's doing. He's waiting for them that they'll repent. The same way, when people are provoking us, he says what? Love, be like God. Love suffers long. Love endures all things. How many want to be like God? How many don't want that type of this thing? The type of God you want to be is the God of fire and brimstone, right? When you enter, everywhere will be shaking. (laughs) Partakers of the divine nature. That's what God said to tell us. that's, That's what this whole thing is about. Our Lord Jesus Christ, even though he was equal to God, did not consider it robbery to be equal to God, but made himself of no reputation. Found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself. Humility. He did that for himself. No. He did it for me. So is there a situation now I need to humble myself so that another person will benefit? That's what he's calling me to. Praise the Lord. When Jesus was reviled, they insulted him. They slapped him. Imagine if Jesus was slapped and he slapped back. You and I can't be saved. Next time you're about to lose your temper. People know you're a Christian. You lose your temper. Somebody there will no longer hear, re- receive the gospel. Maybe for the next 15 years. Before they forget that experience. So you want to lose your temper. Remember that if Jesus had lost his temper. You and I won't be saved. He's calling us to be like him. Love is saying be God. In every situation you find yourself. Ask yourself what will God do here? What will God do? You know. He said to me. That when people are fussy and hard and controlling, we say they are playing God. He said, no, they are playing the devil. Because God just loves, God guides, God tells the truth, God aligns, and he just wants you to be the best you are. So that statement, we've turned it upside down. They are playing the devil, they are not playing. Because if someone played God, you will love him. If anybody played God, imagine somebody is praying for you. You ask him, he gives you. You offend him, he forgives you. He doesn't force you to do anything. He just tells you the truth. He said you hear a voice when you want to turn to the left or the right. He said this is the way. He won't force you. And for, for me as a person, God is teaching me that. He said, don't be forcey. Leave people. Don't be forceful. Tell the truth. Give cancer. Okay? That's how I am. Do I force you to do anything? So he wants us to be like him. You walk in an office, you're praying for everybody, you're helping everybody, and you're not, Jesus, all that Jesus did on earth, he will heal somebody, he will dodge. He was not looking for glory. The only time he talked about glory was when he finished with the work, and he said to the Father, now what? Glorify me with the glory that I had with you before. He was not looking for glory here. The same way you and I being called to be like God, we don't look for glory here. I'm the one doing all this thing and nobody recognizes me. Be like Jesus. Wait for your award in heaven. That's the call. He said, tell them I'm calling them. Know you know that you are God's. They ask Jesus. He's going somewhere. Another person comes and says, do this. He does it. He continues. He never for once. Okay. He rebuked unbelief. Why you of so little faith? In him being God, God does not compromise. God cannot be compromised. Let's not miss that. Praise the Lord. Before somebody says, Pastor said, no. God will tell you the truth. He will stand on truth. I've said the way before you. Life and death. Blessing and cursing. I say choose life. You must make the truth known all the time. In love though. But you make the truth known. You must never keep your mouth shut. When Peter, his favorite disciple, 
mistake. He said, get thee behind me, Satan. He didn't say to, because I love Peter. Let me not rebuke him. He rebuked him immediately, but he still loved him. Praise the Lord. So, in essence, he said, that's what I'm, I'm calling you to. Do you know that Jesus spoke about hell more than any other writer in the Bible? He warned about hell. You know why? Because love doesn't want you to suffer. The same way a parent will keep warning the child. Don't go to the hot iron. Don't go to the pressing iron. Don't go to the stove. Because you know it will hurt the child. That's how Jesus warned us. Jesus also spoke about heaven more than any other person. He didn't talk about heaven as somewhere far. Imagine where he says, I go to prepare a place for you. He said, if it were not so, Jesus does not swear. He does not reemphasize the statement. But so that they have a certainty that that place exists. He said, if you were not so, I would not have told you. That's love. That's what love does. Love tells, is strong in what he's saying. But it won't force. Praise the Lord. He, he allows you because he made you in his image. He gives you sense. He brings instruction. When Judas was going to betray him, he announced it to this person is about to do this, so, but it's better for him. He doesn't do it. So he would be better off. He didn't force him. He didn't arrest him. When he finally came and kissed him, he said, Ah, Judas, betrayest thou the son of man with a kiss. You've made your choice. You have a right to choose. Let's rise on earth. Okay. Instrumentally, Zion is calling us. To a higher place of praise. God is calling you and I. He's calling you. And you see, the side we've dwelt on this evening is this love. But in love there is power, authority, dominion. God is saying to you, in this season, I want to take you higher. Any environment you come in, heaven will say, our representative is here. Because you're not just looking for you. You're representing the agenda of the heavens. You're showing mercy. You're interpreting divine counsel. You're bringing direction. You're working in an office. You see, God will bring ideas and solutions Bring direction that people will be wondering, who told you this thing? How did you know we should do it this way? It's because all the while you have been representing God there. You have been representing God. Joseph was in prison representing God. When a dream came, God gave him the interpretation. Joseph had never interpreted a dream before. But he had played God, the real God, in the prison. That everything about God was flowing through him. Daniel was in in Babylon representing God. When they had a dream that the magicians couldn't answer, God said, I have a representative there. You have been here on my behalf. And God said, I'll pass through you. Somebody here, God will pass through you. Because you've been representing. You've been seeking to represent him. So when you align with him, is it when it's time for signs and wonders, he'll bypass you? When it's time, you say, I have a man there. I have a representative there. I have an agent. Let's ask the Lord, please take me higher. Take me higher. I say yes, Lord. I say yes. Give me your heart. Give me your thoughts. Give me your desires, Lord. I've been a mere man long enough. I've lost my temper long enough. I've pursued my desire long enough. I've defended my position long enough. Lord, from today, let it be your position. 
Let it be your desire. Let it be your pursuit. Let it be your glory. From today, Lord, I want to be yours. I want to be yours. Ask the Lord. Ask the Lord. Here I am. I hear your call. And I'm saying yes. I say yes. I say yes. Lord, I say yes. Lord, I receive your grace. I receive your grace. I love you. Lord, I receive your grace to go forth in love. To live in love. To walk in love. To speak in love. To walk in that office in love. To carry out my business in love. Because I know therein there is power. Help me, Lord. You've been listening to a message by Pastor Ikenao Keke of the Father's Church. We are sure you've been blessed. We invite you to worship with us at Eden Center, Banex Guarimpa Expressway, near Next Kashinkari, Abuja. For telephone 09-290-9000 or 0703-158-404. You can find us online at www.thefatherschurchonline.com. God bless you.